Blog Talk Radio. Do I say something after that? I have an emergency. What is your location? Welcome to Rescue Radio. What a night, huh? This is Margie Cole and... Jerry Cole right here. And tonight we're going to be talking about the blood moons and Mars with our very special guest and friend, Doug Woodward. Hey, Doug, are you there? I am. It's great to be with you guys tonight. Awesome, awesome. I know you're our old hand, hand and ham at this, but I'd like to give the audience a little background on who you are and... Um, if I miss something, you fill in the blanks, okay? You're an author of many, many books. Um, many times you've been seen on uh, Prophecy in the News with uh, Gary Stearman. Um, one of your latest books is called uh, Lying Wonders of the Red Planet. Is that right? That is true. Okay. And then you've got a bunch of other books out there. You're just a man of many uh, interests and sounds like, you know, I, I describe you, <laughs> if you don't know this already, Doug, I describe you as the historian who writes the backside the black side of American history <laughs> stuff. Well, that's kind of true. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of yeah. true. I I have talked a lot about the paranormal and uh, sort of the spiritual history of America that most Americans don't know. Yeah, let me read a couple of those titles, and then I'm, we're going to dive right into it. You've written The Final Babylon, uh, American, mm-hmm. America and the Coming Antichrist. Sounds very intriguing. And then Power Quest 1 and 2, America's Obsession with the Paranormal. There you go and um, uh, the ascendancy of the Antichrist in America. This sounds really like a heavy-duty stuff. So, so Doug, um, how do we combine all of that with Mars and the blood moons and what's been going on? You kind of, um, you know, can we talk about what happened last night first? So just uh, in case you people didn't see it, did you get to see what happened last night? Well, you know, after all that I've written and talked about, I actually um, decided I was too tired and I thought I'd just go ahead and go to bed and, I kind of thought the blood moon would happen without me and that it probably wouldn't look as red, you know, as everybody said it was supposed to look. It would probably yeah. be kind of a brownish, grayish, you know, sort of boring color. And, yeah. uh, you know, so yeah. I just decided I'm going to go to bed and see if I wake up in the morning and see if the world is still here. Well, good for you. You got some good sleep. But what we did is we went to bed and then we woke up about over here in Minnesota. Well, I think we're in the same time zone, but actually it yeah. showed up about two a quarter to, to one, mm-hmm. started doing mm-hmm. some, you know, disappearing act. And that went on for a, a while, and then I can't ex- exact time, but uh, it disappeared, and then it started turning that bloody kind of red, like uh, it, it's, it wasn't that bright red that I maybe think some people thought it would be. But mm-hmm. um, the interesting thing is that it happened uh, on the night of Passover, and um, a lot of people, when they're talking about the blood moves, and by the way, just just to let you know, your precious little Mars was right out there in all her glory or his glory or its glory or whatever, shining right, right there up there. alongside, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's, I heard it was just the closest it gets, it's been in six years to the planet. So, um, so anyway, we got to see it. We actually videotaped it and hopefully eventually we'll get some of those pictures up on the uh, screen. I don't know what happened to our NASA feed. We were 
on uh, with the NASA live as it was happening, and it was really nice until something broke down, and I don't know if 8 million people who were too overloading their circuits or whatever. But um, so we had to take it. We had to go out there and just look at it with the naked eye and our and our video camera. That was kind of cool, though. Actually, yeah. the um, the the the, uh, the uh, naked eye gave us a better look at the blood, the color, the majesty. It was just beautiful out here in the country. We had brilliant stars. I mean, every star was just out in its glory, and um, it was just wonderful. So uh, it was just holy. It was like silent night all over again, kind of. And it was just like. Who's even watching the story? What, what did you think of the of the visions last night? What we saw? Well, we were able to see, you know, the heavens that declared the glory of God, and uh, it was just a spectacular night. Not a cloud in the sky, and uh, just the beauty of all the constellations, and just watching the blood moon itself. It was uh, it was worth staying up for. Yeah, I, I was really blessed. I mean, I, I guess kind of I didn't get any heavy duty. Uh, revelation from God, except the fact that it's happening. It's really happening. And so um, mm-hmm. if this means something, really means something, I mean, and that's what I think the point becomes, does this really mean something to us? Is God marked his calendar, his special days, Passover. Uh, the next one's coming up. When When is the next one, Doug? It's, uh, the next one will come up in the in the fall. And, yeah. um, uh, and so we'll see that, uh, I believe it's on uh, Yom Kippur or on, on Sukkot on the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll, I'll get my information out here so I can be a little bit more accurate in my comments. Oh, yeah. I think uh, you're right. I think Sukkot and, and that's um, uh, Feast of Tabernacles. Isn't it kind of interesting, Doug, that uh, the, the tetrads, all four of the blood moons, show up both on Passover and um, a Sukkot or a Feast of Tabernacles. So what is the chance of all this happening so uh, is this a coincidence right. or what? Right, right. Well, yeah, the the, the idea of four consecutive uh, blood moons uh, on top of these, uh, you know, the dates of the Jewish holidays is, in fact, quite rare. It's, uh, I think the numbers I've got here show that that the, uh, uh, the number of lunar eclipses that have occurred or occur really since the time of Christ there's uh, really been thousands of them, but by the time, let's see, well, no, the, in terms of the tetrides, yeah, the tetrides themselves, there's been about 62 uh, actual where you have these sort of four blood moons in a row, um, and the, but the number that actually fall on Jewish successive uh, feast days, that's only occurred seven times since the birth of Christ, and really? um, it Those occurred... Those are seven tetrides? Yeah, seven tetrides? Seven tetrads in terms of those occurring on um, the feast, the high uh, holy days, the feast of uh, uh, in the Jewish calendar. So it's very rare. And in this century, it is only to occur in 2014 and 2015. Uh, the next one will be September. Uh, let's see, the the fourth eclipse, the final eclipse, will be on September 28, uh, 2015, which also is an unusual event in that it will be at the perihelion, which is the closest that the moon comes to the earth. And so consequently, um, when uh, the folks are out in Jerusalem in their booths, in their tents, uh, on the Feast of Tabernacles, um, looking up at the moon, the moon will look closer and bigger uh, than it uh, will have looked in a long, long time. It's known as a supermoon, and so it will be particularly 
uh, uh, striking. In other words, you can't miss it. You won't be yeah. able to miss it. It'll be pretty yeah. obvious. But, you know, I heard that this one was not uh, visible in Israel or in, like, Africa, Europe. It was just mainly um, our, our hemisphere. That's right. And, of course, that's, that's one of the – there's a, a lot of controversy about whether or not the, you know, this prophecy is, in fact, a prophecy at all, or is it purely just an astronomical coincidence? You know, should we be drawing any conclusions from it? And uh, the fact that it is not, he did not appear uh, over Israel, uh, causes one to wonder if it really has that kind of significance. Certainly that's what one of the objections that the critics pose, is that if it was really a sign, then it not only would it appear uh, on the holiday, but it would likely appear over the land of Israel. And so uh, that, is, that is one of the reasons why a number of, of folks, even noted folks, dismiss this as, uh, as just a bit of sensationalism. Well, okay, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, uh, say, Doug, you know, what about Israel? Even though they weren't, unable, weren't able to see it over in Israel, you know, there's, you know, do you have any sense of what the awareness of this uh, is in Israel as far as significance, as far as, you know, just history of significant things that, it's ha- that have happened in, in their history at that particular time, would you think that, you know, from what you know, would there be any incentive to go ahead and take some specific action? Uh, some have speculated, you know, maybe coming against Iran or something like that uh, sometime soon. Uh, any sense about that? Yeah, you know, there's certainly, as we'll talk, there's, um, you know, quite a number of incidents uh, of these, uh, you know, these tetrads occurring on sort of auspicious dates, you know, I could say red-letter dates, that's almost a pun, um, uh, uh, that that sort of has been what has happened. Um, Uh And the fact that the the last couple of of these events prior to this one uh, occurred in 1949 and in 1967 um, Uh suggests that there's some correspondence between the, uh, the occurrences, these astronomical occurrences, and specific uh, incidences of, you know, of wars, uh, uh-huh. times of great trouble in Israel. And so I think those that, um, you know, those uh, Jews that are, uh, you know, sensitive to spiritual things, and of course many in Israel are not, but those mm-hmm. that are are probably wondering if there is some, some kind of uh, sort of prediction, prophecy in the uh, the fact that this is occurring right now with the possible war with Iran and or Syria uh, mm-hmm. taking place or could potentially could take a place right away. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of folks that I, I suspect are kind of on the edge Jericho. of their seats wondering if this is going to if this is going to happen. Yeah, I think that's that's where everybody's at. Is this really going to happen? But I think the um, the fact that it did happen with the moon and it's very rare, and it's on the feast days, and it's not a coincidence. And God did say, according to the word, that there were going to be signs in the sun, the moon, the heavens, the stars, um, mentioning the moon turning to blood, actually. I think that was in Joel 2.31, wasn't it? Um, right. And, and, you know, and so there's going to be, I mean, I mean, why? How can we just discount or, or downplay what the word says? So far the word has been pretty accurate about everything, and even though it's like a huge cosmic um, 
uh, I don't know what you'd call mystery, uh, enigma, where a lot of things don't make sense until you kind of break the code. Um, it seems like once you break the code, a few more things fall into place, and the numbers and the the, the, the stuff that God is trying to say is is there. Um, mm-hmm. Got anything to say about those prophetic words, like from uh, Joel two thirty one or Revelation six two, and several times where Isaiah right. talking about the moon, the sun, the stars. Right. Anything? Yeah. Well, of course that you know that's um, that's kind of the essence of the question as to whether or not the the, the blood moon prophecy is it's as it's called, in fact, really is the fulfillment of the, the verses in Joel and in Revelation, Revelation 6.12, you know, that the sun will become black as a sackcloth, the moon will turn to yeah. blood, um, and that this happens before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion on that. I know uh, one of the books that I've read um, in preparing for our discussion was Mark Hitchcock's book uh-huh. what is uh, which is called Blood Moon uh, Rising. And uh, Hitchcock talks about um, this, and he believes that there really isn't, um, and we'll talk about probably several reasons why, but he doesn't believe that there is significance to the blood moons occurring on these dates. He believes uh-huh. that there will be miraculous signs in the sky, that, you know, uh, that the sun will be darkened, the moon will turn to blood, the stars will fall. There's, there's all kinds of discussions about signs in the heavens. But mm-hmm. his sense is that, that these signs uh, may be supernatural. They may not be sort of natural coincidences. Uh-huh. And so, for instance, one of his examples, he talks about the, um, the idea that um, we recall that when Jesus was uh, crucified, that mm-hmm. there was darkness that came across not just uh, Israel, but but according to Roman historians, I believe it was Tacitus, um, that recorded that there was a time of darkness for several hours, and it was unex- unexpected. It was not an eclipse. Um, the Bible talks about it from the sixth hour until the ninth hour that there was darkness, and uh, you know the, the day was chilled and became a, a very frightening phenomenon. And, um, and so the, the thought was, well, you know, that was probably a supernatural occurrence. It, it had something to do with uh, the Son of God becoming sin and God turning away from him. And uh, for that three-hour period, supposedly, that is when the skies darkened. And, uh, and so, you know, was that a solar eclipse? Well, we know solar eclipses don't last that long. Uh, a total yeah. eclipse only usually lasts for a few minutes, maybe seven to ten minutes. And yeah. so it doesn't appear that that could have been just an astronomical sort of uh, coincidence. And uh, likewise, another issue is, you know, like or another example would be the Star of Bethlehem. Was yeah. the Star of Bethlehem uh, a planetary conjunction of, of Venus and of Jupiter and or Saturn? Uh, or was it some kind of supernova? Or was it some other kind of, uh, as some scholars have speculated, Perhaps it was uh, literally a supernatural element of the, of the Shekinah glory of God appearing uh, in a supernatural way uh, for the Magi to follow to, uh, yeah. to where it was well, over you know, the birth of, of Jesus. Well, here's, here's a couple things I'm thinking as you're talking. 
First of all, mm-hmm. God does not have to break the rules of his own creation in order to do something supernatural. He, if he's so much God, he can actually line everything up coincidentally. At, it's not a coincidence, obviously. To That's mark right. days and from the beginning. Mm-hmm. This, this is what makes it so ho- over-the-top kind of amazing <laughs> that he could synchronize all the planets, the moons, the suns, the, the Mars, everybody, so that they would show up, line up, do their thing in obedience to God on these very specific dates that he ordained from the foundation of the world, I believe. And, you know, I don't know if we have to look for anything greater. I mean, I think that's part of our problem. You know, God is using our, uh, the natural things, um, the way the news, the events, the, the situations in our world to actually uh, fulfill his prophecy. Uh, and it's, it's, it's almost too subtle. People just say, well, that's just, that's just. And everybody's always trying to downplay and discount. But what it does is when you set up two opposing sides like this, this I think the devil really wins because all it brings is more confusion. Um, and, you know, people then are back, backing off from the intensity or the urgency of anything. I'm not saying um, that mm-hmm. I can even comprehend that Jesus could be back here in a couple, three, four, five, ten, twelve years. I can't comprehend. I don't think any of us really can comprehend that. But... If this right. is what God is telling us, then those who uh, really are listening to God will get on the move, get on the ball, get on the ball, and sort of know what's going on. I want to read the verse in six um, twelve of Revelation, yeah. in reference to what you're talking about. He says, "I looked when He opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood." Now, this could be one of the tetrad moons. It may be as an, a, a totally different deal. I don't know. Maybe the, there's a volcanic ash in the air at the time. All I know is whatever it says here is going to happen, and whether it's we can always looking for a way to minimize God's intervention mm-hmm. in the world. You're always looking mm-hmm. for a way to make it, oh, not that big of a deal. You know, I mean, it's, well, just, a, it's just a lunar eclipse. So what? There'll be another 10,000 years, there'll be lunar eclipses, blah, blah, blah. No big deal. People, right, you know, right. keep eating your chocolate and go to bed and don't worry about it. And, you know, <laughs> just go to work tomorrow and you're fine. Just, I don't yeah, buy yeah. that. So, I know, um, I know, no. <laughs> well, no, I think, that's, I think that you're right. There's, um, you know, my, that my sense, if you flip it around and you look on a positive basis uh, at this, you say, well, isn't it really strange that the few times this has occurred, because it doesn't occur every century. In fact, there are no. certain centuries where it, it completely doesn't happen. I think there's you know, been a couple of times, four or five centuries in a row, where this lining up of the uh, you know the tetrads, the lunar eclipses, uh, on these Jewish feast days, it doesn't happen at all. And the fact yeah. that it happened twice in the 20th century, it happened at the time of the, the Jewish War for Independence, Right. In 1949, uh, and that it happened in uh, 1967. At the time, it happened just before um, Jerusalem was retaken by Israel um, during the Six Day War. Uh, you know, it, the fact that this is happening right now, when it appears that Israel is preparing to go to war to protect itself from a possible atomic attack from Iran, that yeah. you know. You look at those and you go, now, is that really a coincidence? Um, no, I think there's be. something to it. I think there's yeah. something to it. Well, and uh, as we dig deeper, we can talk a little, bit about, a little bit more with precision about kind of the pros and the cons. But, you know, right up front, I, I have to say, I think there's something to this, that this is a symbol or a sign, and we can talk more about that as we go here. Well, you know, I just want to read for um, 
Jerry had asked the question earlier um, about, you know, is there going to be any, you know, political action? Can we look for any kind of things coming from Israel? But I know this is what God says in Joel chapter 2, verse 30 through 32. He says, I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of that great and terrible day of the Lord, as you mentioned, dreadful. It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So what God is saying here is when you see these things... um, the, the, the sun, the moon turning to blood, and earthquakes and stuff. His point is that we turn to him and be saved. I think we can put off the urgency or the importance of making a decision and following the Lord and t- t- taking heed to his word until it becomes you know, just a bit, a bit too late. And so our, we know that God is using these things. And even I heard this, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that there were some uh, at the destruction of, Jer- of Jerusalem in 70... A.D., mm-hmm. uh, I think right. it was also, wasn't there a lunar eclipse then or something, too? Well, there were some very strange signs uh, in the skies. There was talk about seeing chariots uh, and great thunder, uh, you know, above the temple. Um, there were, supposedly, Josephus talks about a number of miraculous things that seemed to be going on at the time. And, um, and so, now there, you know, again, I think that it's possible that there, it's a combination of both, meaning that there is providential uh, events that occur in the heavens that are, we'll say, at the very least, uncanny in terms of their uh, happening concurrently with major events in the uh, in the coming together of Israel. I, I believe in these last days, and that also there could be supernatural events. It will may well be that before Jesus appears, we know that it says in Matthew 24 that the sign of the Son of Man shall appear in the heavens. Well, we would think that would be the cross, right? That would be kind of the first thing we we guess is that that's the sign of the Son of Man. And so if that were to occur, then, yeah, that would be a pretty miraculous thing. And so it's it's possible that, that both uh, could, in fact, be true. And, yeah, uh, it's, so, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, too, I mean, um, you know, the the chart of the supernatural signs in the heavens not only inc- include the lunar uh, the, the the blood moons uh, for those four feasts over the next two years, but also next March 20th on 2015 there's a total solar eclipse, and it it seems according to the rabbis that the lunar um, eclipses are bad omens uh, for the the, um, je- the the Jews, nice but an eclipse a solar eclipse is a bad omen for the Gentiles. Um, They also have kind of a, I don't know if it's a saying, or that if the moon is really, really red, it means war and bloodshed. If it's more with sackcloth over it, it's more like famine. And I think if we looked at last night's moon, it looked a lot more like the mixture of two, mostly mostly famine, I think, more than um, red. I don't know. What do you think, Jerry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it wasn't the, uh, you know, like you said, it wasn't a real bright red, you know, like a blood color even, you know, but um, it, it, yeah, that's what I would say it was, yeah. kind of more like that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, and then in, in 2017, in September of 2017, 
um, there's that refiguring of the Virgo clothed with the sun uh, talked about in Revelations 12.1. And that's the same configuration that was uh, there when they think they determined that Jesus' birthday was probably on September 11 of 3 um, instead mm-hmm. of our you know usual. But And I know that the Jewish calendar and the uh, Greek calendar or the uh, Gregorian calendar Gregorian. are off. Yeah, right, a little different. But, you know, again, with this thing showing up on 2017 uh, during Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of what, the Trumpets? Rosh Hashanah is the Feast of Trumpets. Yeah, the Jewish yeah isn't that kind of interesting? On, uh, yes, exactly, on, on one tissue, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, wow. um, you know, the, one of the things we talk about in uh, one of the books that I co-wrote with uh, my author buddies, Doug Krieger, and, Dean McGriff, we wrote a book called The Final Babylon, and uh-huh. in that book, we argue that um, we believe that Mystery Babylon of Revelation 16, 17, 18, that Mystery Babylon is in fact, the final Babylon is the United States, and um, it's uh, perhaps not as controversial as some might think, uh, because quite a few evangelical uh, scholars and writers over the last 50 years have, uh, have sort of suggested the same thing that the U.S. Uh, is, in fact, Mystery Babylon. What's curious about these eclipses, um, the solar eclipses, is that yeah. there is, as you mentioned, a solar eclipse um, in 2017. There's another one in 2024. And uh, my co-author, uh, friend Doug Krieger, has done uh, extensive work. He's sort of a mathematics genius. And he's uh-huh. done extensive work on uh, this whole issue of, of lunar eclipses and solar eclipses. But he has pointed out, and we've talked about it, that uh, during the time period from 2017 to 2024, there, there really are no solar eclipses that cover land masses other than those two eclipses, and they happen to cover the land mass of North America. Uh, they actually make uh, an X, the one in 2017, comes from the northwest and goes towards the southeast. And in 2024, it starts more in the southwest and goes more to the northeast. And the, the X, actually, the center point, is really right in the heartland uh, of America, right along the, uh, uh, the fault in Missouri. And so wow. it's, uh, that is another really intriguing curiosity that if we buy into the, the idea that uh, that solar eclipses are bad news for the Gentile nations. If we assume for a moment that America might be the final Babylon, talked about in the Bible, and uh, if that is all true, then it might be more than a coincidence that these two solar eclipses happen. Uh, the last two during sort of the next 10 years happen exclusively over North America in the center of those, right in the heartland of the United States. So uh, well, you know, doing, we think that that a little, is a, perhaps a, a pretty fascinating thing as well. So X marks the spot, huh? But let me yeah, let me exactly. no, do a quick math here. If you said 2017 to 2024, that's uh, seven years. It is. And yeah. um, we also, uh, Doug uh, Krieger has done uh, an extensive amount of work looking at the chronology of the Bible. He believes... Uh, and I, he's convinced me that uh, that Jesus was born in 1 B.C. and that his uh, his death was on April 1st on a Wednesday, not a Friday, but on a Wednesday, uh, April 1st of uh, 33 A.D. 
And you have to remember that there really wasn't a year between 1 B.C. There was only one year between 1 B.C. and 1 A.D. And, um, and so he's, he has worked out uh, a pretty amazing chronology, actually correcting a number of mistakes that were made by Bishop Usher that had predicted that, the, that the Adam was created on you know, 404 B.C. on October the 1st or something like that. But it would have been actually Rosh Hashanah. That was supposedly the date that uh, Adam was created. Well, anyway, Doug has worked out uh, a chronology that suggests that the, uh, the Lord actually would return in 2025 um, with the, um, the abomination of desolation actually on September the 21st 2021, and uh, there's uh, extremely detailed and a number of uh, just a whole lot of information that he's put together on this. That's pretty compelling. Not that I'm really into date setting, but nevertheless, uh, and it turns out that there's actually lunar eclipses. One in specifically that falls uh, in I think it's July 27th in 2018. That is a sort of what he calls a bullseye blood moon right above Jerusalem. And uh, he speculates what, what that, year is that that is in uh, 2018. It actually mm-hmm. happens uh, within the same week as the ninth of Av, uh, which of course which is, is the a bad day for them, right? Temple, a bad day for the Jews when yeah. twice the uh, temple was destroyed on the ninth of Av. A number of other events have happened on the ninth of Av, such as the expulsion mm-hmm. of the Jews from Spain. Um, I think even the uh, uh, the something to do with the uh, the ghetto in Warsaw um, during World War II or prior to World War II. It, uh, that was tied into the 9th of August. So it's always been a very, very bad date. Well, anyway, that that week is uh, is also when there's a bullseye blood moon over Jerusalem. And um, uh, from that date, it actually appears to coincide very precisely with uh, other Jewish feast days, specifically the Passover and um, uh, and the Feast of Tabernacles, again, those being sort of the pivotal dates. Uh, Doug's belief is that Jesus was born on Passover, and of course that he died on Passover, and that he actually began his ministry on Yom Kippur, and that he ministered for three and a half years. He believes that he, uh, of course, appeared on Sunday, Palm Sunday, and for three and a half days or for four days, he was in fact fulfilling the prophecy of the examination of the of the uh, Passover lamb, and that he appeared oh, yeah, in right, Jerusalem yeah. four days, right? And that he was actually uh, crucified and uh, buried uh, as Thursday began, sort of at the end of the day, Wednesday. And after three days uh, and then a half day from essentially midnight until the sunrise on Sunday morning, that, uh, of course, Christ was in the grave. As the Apostles' Creed says, uh, you know, talks about whether it's on the third day or after three days he arose from the dead. There's a difference. So, uh, but his sense is that the three and a half days predict or showcase the, uh, well, really, the, not just the three and a half days, but the two three and a half days that makes the seven days, in fact, or a foretype or archetype of the seven final years of uh, Daniel's 70th week. And uh, so it's a pretty pretty fascinating set of, uh, of uh, chronologies that Doug has put together. Well, it's pretty complicated. Go ahead. Jerry's got a question for you, Doug. Yeah. Doug, you know, if, uh, you know, there may be somebody listening that's uh, in the, you know, horoscopes and so forth, and uh, right. God, you know, right. God's word speaks of, uh, you know, the signs in the heavens and so forth. 
And then, and then right. astrology also talks about signs in the heavens. Could you just uh, maybe just address that a little bit? You know, sure. is there a difference? Sure. God, I, warns, God, God says, in, you know, that we can see the stars and the planets as, as signs from me. And then there's other things he's saying, now don't let your life be guided by the stars. Right, right. Yeah, the, I believe it's Genesis 1.14 that talks about that God made or appointed, which is probably the better uh, translation of that term asaf in Hebrew, which means uh, made, but actually could mean appointed, that God appointed the sun and the moon and stars for days and times, seasons and signs. And that, in fact, um, that's what, uh, you know, we are saying by these blood moons, that they are signs in the heaven. They are signals that, um, that demonstrates the providence of God, that things happen according to a very specific plan, and that the, uh, the stars, uh, the planets, all of their movements are not... Uh, there to uh, predestine the lives of individuals, but they are there as symbols or signs of God's uh, oversight and his providence of uh, what is happening in, uh, you know, on this planet Earth. And so there's certainly a distinction between uh, these as symbols or signs versus being causal in determining what happens to us. So the Bible is yeah. very specific about uh, warning us against astrologers and against using astrology as a means of predicting, uh, predicting. what happens to you. But yet it's, uh, it's certainly very clear that, that the, the symbols and the signs, just as you mentioned, Margie, uh, earlier talking about the woman, um, the, the reference to the woman that is, um, uh, you know, that is the, uh, the son of the woman is born beneath her feet and it's really a very nice description of, uh, of what may have been the alignment of the planet Venus and the planet Jupiter and the moon yep. and so forth uh, on the, uh, the day that Jesus was born. Yeah, so yeah exactly. Yeah, well, you know, and I think, may I, always, may I say this, that whatever God has done or has, the devil has a counterfeit for it. He's got a way to corrupt it, a way to confuse people, um, and so God has, uh, you know, astronomy and the devil has astrology god has miracles the devil has magic i mean it's kind of like whatever god has the devil's got something and i've got a couple of you know talking about stars as long as we're on the subject of stars um right. jude has a very interesting little comment on stars the stars that he calls them wandering stars and and i think in job there's a there's a reference to not all the stars were good stars um and in some places i think aren't stars referred to as um angels Yes, I mean, certainly the, the sons of God in, in the book of Job uh, talks about the sons of God, uh, you know, clap their hands and rejoice at the creation. Uh, it appears sometimes as if uh, each of the stars is named by God. Likewise, the angels have name as, names. And so there's this kind of interesting uh, correlation yeah. between the stars and angels. And yeah, uh, so yeah, you see yeah. that several times in the scripture. Well, you know, it, 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 that's in uh, Revelations 1.20. I'll just read it. And the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand in the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Well, you have a lot of symbology. It could be lampstands. Some people say they're pastors. Some people say they're stars. Some people say they're angels. Some people probably say it's a little bit of everything. What do you think about, speaking of stars and 
fallen angels. Um, I have a, qu- a, a kind of a really crazy question for you, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the question, and then we're going to take a break so you have a, a t- chance to come up with a good answer. Um, good. <laughs> okay, here's my question. It's going to segue you into this planet of Mars, but what is up there uh, at Mars? Is it aliens, forbidden knowledge, fallen angels? Is it, are, are these some of these stars fallen angel hangouts? What's going on in Mars? And so with that, let's give a little break here. And while you're figuring that out, I'm going to give a little, a little plug for uh, the new book that I've written, and it's called Diagnosing Your Family Tree. Um, what's up there? What's in your tree? <laughs> what, what monkey did you come from, honey? <laughs> but seriously, um, we have got so much uh, cleanup to do in our bloodlines and um, so much stuff that the enemy uses against us to bring down generational curses. And, um, you know, I started out writing this book, oh, I don't know, many years ago when I started working with people. So, you you know, we, we, I got a, gathered a lot of information about, you know, uh, patterns, you know, that these are not coincidences either. They're signs, they're indications of, of things that have gone wrong uh, in the bloodlines. And um, DNA, they got messed up and demonic interference. And, and so this book, Diagnosing Your Family Tree, which is basically hot off the press, you can get it at liferecovery.com www.liferecovery.com at the store. But what's happening here in the middle of the book, God turned a, turned a corner for me, and, and I began to um, see that the part of the problem for all of us is that we have built our relationships and foundations as believers um, on um, a faulty gospel, you know, the gospel of good works, the gospel of guilt, where the devil uses it to beat us up, instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of grace and mercy. So this is the commercial if you want to get a copy of that book or are interested in what uh, things are in your generational tree, we've got a whole section in there on how to do your genogram, uh, asking the questions, what's, what does this mean? If I got this, what does that mean? What's it coming from? Um, and how to pray the prayers. The, the whole last part of the book is about prayers. So, Doug, time is up. Are you still there? I, I am. I am still here. And that book sounds like one that okay. I could read. I would, I would enjoy that. So, uh, okay, I'll send you a well, copy. If you send me a copy of your Lying Wonders of Mars book, okay. I would be happy to. Uh, let's definitely get that done in the next day or two, all right? Yeah, why don't you give me your, your, your um, information right here, too, so we can give you a, a little bit of commercial time. And then I oh, would yeah. like you to answer to me, uh, to Jerry and I, yeah. uh, Fallen Angels, are, are those stars out there angel hangouts or whatever? <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> oh, there's so, many, so much to talk about. Well, people can I find know, Doug. That's why you're going to have to come back. But anyway, tell us about I your newest so book. Talk about. All right. Well, so we're going to talk about Lying Wonders of the Red Planet. Let me, let me first off say that you can find me. I have a website called faithhappens.com, and it's faith-happens.com. But you can also find it by just doing a search on dougwoodward.com, D-O-U-G, Woodward, W-O-O-D-W-A-R-D dot C-O-M. And you can also find me on Amazon if you do a search for the S, as in Stephen, S. Douglas Woodward store, S-T-O-R-E, at Amazon. You can find all my books, some uh, DVDs that I've done. Uh, there's just quite a bit of, uh, of Doug Woodward stuff out there, as you would think, in a store called the Doug Woodward store, the S. Douglas Woodward store. And so that's <laughs> how people can find me. So, uh also, on my website, if people go and look at my website and look at the post, Doug's post, you'll see a post that I've done recently on the, the whole issue of the blood moons and kind of my 
sort of my synopsis or my uh, summary of it. We'll we'll come back to that. All right. I think we still have some more to talk about on blood moons, but we'll yeah. we'll jump over and talk a little bit about Mars for a while if you'd like. Yeah, so, sure. And then we can weave it all back in. You know, I mean, we sure. don't have to cover sure. it all tonight. But um, you know, um, you just wrote this book on Mars, and um, you've got some phenomenal pictures. Um, I think you actually do. Didn't you do a conference on this whole thing? Not uh, too long. Yeah. Can you tell us about yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I was, uh, was privileged to be a speaker at the Prophecy in the News conference in Orlando, Florida, just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was on March uh, 28, 29, 30th in Orlando. And I spoke uh, three times, twice, on the subject of Mars. Uh, once I talked about uh, one of the topics was close encounters of the fourth kind. Uh, which, you know, obviously I try to pick a a, a topic with a hook in it. That's a pretty good hook. And then uh, the second one was uh, Mars and the pre-Adamic civilization on Earth. And so that was the second. you got to tell me about that one. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't that kind of mess up our idea of creation? Yeah. Well, potentially, yes, it it might for, for those folks that, uh, assume that the creation is precisely 6,000, 7,000 years old, something like that, versus uh, those that might believe the creation is much older and that perhaps Adam and Eve were a special creation of God about 6,000 years ago, or thereabouts. And so, yeah, that uh, it leads to an interesting debate, which I did a debate not that long ago with a friend, Doug Hamp, who was a young earth creationist, I am what is known as a ruin restoration creationist, meaning that I believe the Earth may be much older, uh, but I do believe, as Doug does, that Adam and Eve were a special creation of God only about 6,000 years ago. But Mm -hmm. the Earth might, in fact, be 4 billion years old. Um, I'm not sure how old it is. Science suggests that the Earth is about 4.5 billion years old and that the Universe itself is about 13, almost 14 billion years old, and uh, my my belief is that um, Genesis one uh, does not tell us necessarily as much about the the creation of the world as it talks about the recreation of the world, and of course that is a that is a very hot topic, and uh, probably one in its own right that we could spend at least two hours just discussing that. But, uh, but Mars figures into that discussion, and, uh, and so we can kind of circle back yeah. and talk about that. But before we go there, I was going – you made mention of a phrase that's used in uh, the New Testament and in, uh, in, in the book of Enoch, the book of Jude, talks about the wandering stars. You know what that really is a reference to is it's a reference to the planets. The planets mm-hmm. are – were, no, were known in the ancient world as wandering stars that could move backwards. And really? uh, what they would observe, what they would observe is known as the retrograde motion, the retrograde motion. Uh, oh, yeah. Planets like Mars, uh, Jupiter, because they are on an elliptical path and because their, uh, their time, the time it takes them to go around the sun, is much longer than the time it takes Earth to go around the sun, it can actually uh-huh. cause the planets to appear to move backwards. And so uh, planets were known as wandering stars, and uh, but they were used also as an example of sort of instability. Uh, and I think it was even Jude that talked about 
um, individuals that were unstable. They were like yep. wandering stars. Yeah. And so, um, but it actually refers to, to the planets. And another reference to the planets, which is probably more germane to the discussion of Mars, is in Ezekiel chapter 28, where it talks about uh, the anointed cherub that covereth, who walked amongst the, the, burning, the burning stars, the burning stones of fire. And yeah. um, that reference, um, I believe, is, as do many others, believe that it is a reference to the planets that were the fiery stones um, that look like fires in the night sky, but they are, in uh-huh. fact, of course, planets that are not on fire, but they, they glow brightly and twinkle just like a star. And, uh, and so um, the discussion there, the issue there is, well, who is the anointed cherub that covereth, and what would it mean if he, in fact, walked amongst the stones of fire? And um, so this gets into the explanation for what could have been going on uh, on the planet Mars prior to uh, the creation uh, of the world and the creation of uh, humanity on this uh, on this orb. And so, okay, so, uh, so that's so, yeah. So let me summarize what you're saying here, just because I know that you know. First of all, you know we have our sacred ideas that you know God is the created man, and and the, you know we are as human beings, you know, 6,000 years on the earth so far. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that God couldn't have been doing stuff before he, you know, before he created us, right. obviously. But, right. um, so, and it really does not, you know, some of these discussion points are fascinating, but I don't want people to freak out. You're not going to lose your salvation over any of this because the fact is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross, the dying, his atonement for our sins is the bottom line. And that is, you don't, and I had a, when we were first saved, there was this, so much discussion, brand new Christians, didn't know what's up, what's right, what right and wrong. And he, the guy, he kind of cleared it up and he says, you know, it's not right doctrine that gets you into heaven. It's having a right relationship. And I think that mm-hmm. that's going to have to be the bottom line because God only knows how much doctrine he's got to sort through for everybody down here. But um, <laughs> going back to your, I love this, can we talk a little bit more about this, uh, you know, this this anointed cherub in Ezekiel chapter 28. Right. I mean, it's right. kind of plopped right in there in the middle of um, verse, starting with verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. And then it goes on to say what they were. Um, the timbrels, the pipes uh, prepared for you on the day that you were created. That really does sound like a description of Lucifer to me. I mean, yeah, that's that's the way it's usually interpreted, of course. And what's yeah. intriguing, you know, if you think about this, is is it's talking about the perfection that Lucifer once uh, possessed. And of course, there's another whole discussion about well, was his name ever really Lucifer? Lucifer is the sort of the bright morning sh- morning star. Um, you know that could actually refer to Jesus Christ. Um, there's, mm-hmm. you know, See the, what I tell you about counterfeits. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's it's not a foregone conclusion that we should even refer to the adversary with any other name other than Satan. Um, that Lucifer may not be an appropriate name to use for him. But nevertheless, in this passage in Ezekiel 28, we're we're dealing with the Prince of Tyre, and the Prince of Tyre was, in effect, the, the king of uh, Tyre and Sidon, uh, which was the, the, the old ancient land of Canaan, 
which is today's Lebanon. But it appears that while it's talking about the Prince of Tyre, it seems to move backwards and forwards from a description of a person to a description of a supernatural being that was covered with these precious stones and was perfect in all his ways. Uh, He was once in the Garden of Eden, which seems to be uh, when he was there, he seemed to have been in a perfect state. Well, that raises a really interesting question. When uh, when Satan appeared in the form of a snake in the Garden of Eden uh, that God had created, where he placed Adam and Eve, um, Lucifer at that time was not in a uh, in a perfect state. He was in a fallen state. Yep. And, uh, and so you know, so it appears like that what we're dealing with here with uh, the Eden referred to in Ezekiel 28 is uh, is a heavenly Eden. It's an Eden that uh, perhaps the earthly Eden was modeled after, uh, just as we see that reference sort of to the temple in the book of Hebrews. There's sort of a temple in the heavenlies of which the earthly temple was modeled after. Perhaps this is a similar idea that uh, that the Eden... Like paradise uh, or something? Uh, yeah, that the, this Eden was an Eden of paradise, or Eden in heaven, and mm-hmm. this is where um, Lucifer or Satan was at one time perfect uh, and was perhaps the most beautiful creature that God ever created. Uh, the reference to pipes suggests that, that he may have been, in fact, leading the, the, sort of the choir master of all of the angels that sang. And so you have here a, a fascinating, very powerful creature, a cherub. Um, yeah. And the, the question or the issue is, well, is this, in fact, a, a being that was responsible for the stones of fire that walked amongst this fire, would that suggest that he was responsible for the planets of the solar system? Was he responsible for more than that? Um, And that gets into uh, a really interesting alternative understanding of what might have happened prior to the time of, of Adam and Eve. And, uh, and that of course is, uh, is a discussion that, that I did get into in Florida, and I talk about uh, in the book, but it really relates to some great work that was done by a gentleman, the late David Flynn, uh, who uh-huh. wrote a book uh, called Cydonia, The Secret Chronicles of Mars. And, uh, okay. and so, it, you know, and I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it's uh, dealing with the possibility that Mars uh, was, in fact, a moon that revolved around a planet that no longer is there called Rahab. Um, Rahab, yes, was, uh, was the prostitute in the Old Testament, yeah. but Rahab is also mentioned in three other fairly obscure passages in the Old Testament, and it seems to refer to something, an enemy of God, a power that stood opposed to God. Some scholars say, well, it's just referring to Egypt, but when you read the passages uh, in Isaiah, in the, in the Psalms, it doesn't really match up too well. And it talks about God, uh, God's strong arm coming against this, uh, this power of Rahab and crushing it and thereby hurting the dragon. And so it's a very obscure passage, but it, it's enough that it suggests that, well, perhaps something did transpire, that there was a rebellion um, of Satan, uh, of this anointed cherub, and that it brought about the destruction of the planet Rahab, and perhaps it brought about a destruction 
uh, to the earth? And could it be that that happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, which is the sort of the, the Genesis pun intended, I guess, of the, the notion of the so-called gap theory, which is I've referred to it earlier, it's also known as the ruin and restoration theory, uh, about what it is that's being, being taught in that, uh, that second verse of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that too, and I'm looking up, I can't remember what um, the actual Greek words mean, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Um, right. And the Spirit of the right. Lord, you know, was hovering over the face of the water. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, I, I've had questions given to me too. Is was this? Is this the second world? Is this the second creation? Mm-hmm. But but so right. let's just say, what if? What if, um, what if? Satan, uh, and Lucifer actually was created by God, mm-hmm. was perfect in all of his ways, uh, until mm-hmm. iniquity was found in him. Um, and whatever that, you know, however that came about, and he turned mm-hmm. rebellious, turned against God, and, and then some of the, uh, his management, you know, the, the, if he was watching over the stars or the planets or whatever he was doing, I'm sure he tried to, um, you know, take those things with him, and a third of the angels actually went with, mutinied, went with the rebellion. So really, mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, when we look at the Bible, and I've got to say this just, you know, it's cliff. No- it's it's the cliff notes on what really happened. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not. You start throwing in there the Book of Enoch, Joshua, and Jubilees, and you start to really fill in the spaces and, and you know, even going much more deeply into the emotions and the relationships between, like, for example, Jacob and Esau, and 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 you know, Abraham and Isaac, and and in every one of those books, nothing is taken away from the Son of Man coming, the redemption, the cross. Nothing. It is. They only make it much more, it, it, it turns it from the story of, of us and God and the war between God and Satan for the souls of men. It, it kind of turns it from a Saturday, a Saturday night movie into an epic motion picture. I mean, just in, <laughs> right, right. in trite terms. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think we're doing any dishonor to God to say, well, God, you know, did you do something on Mars? I mean, I have to, you know, looking at your PowerPoints that you sent, Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of look at, my, I mean, I've always wondered myself, you know, what is that stuff up there? There's that the face thing. Did somebody plant that? Did, you know, these these right. circles and altars and stuff. Did somebody just, you know, is, that, is somebody photoshopping something here? Go ahead, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Jerry. The you know the the face, the city, the bastion. Uh, the wall, the crater, the five-sided pyramid, the spiral mound, all those things. Uh, you know, that picture, is that all in basically one one particular area of Mars? Or, I mean, it's, it's again, some people would say, hey, is that, you know, as Marty said, is that photoshopped or is that something that's uh, legitimate and, and, and actually accurate as far as their proximity? Right. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't know if everyone heard all of your questions because I, I, I uh, noticed that your voice dropped uh, just at the beginning. But um, the answer, uh, the question is, you know, are all these features that are talked about uh, on Mars that have been the subject of, of a lot of controversy really since the late 1970s, are all these in the same area? The answer is generally yes. Most everything is in the same general vicinity. Um, there is the, the so-called face on Mars. There is the pholus or the spiral mound. 
There is what is called the city. There's what is called the five-sided pyramid. And um, the, the, the work that I've done, which is really, uh, you know, it's mostly researching the work that others have done in this respect, the series of folks, Richard Hoagland, Mike Barra, uh, a work by a guy named David Percy, uh, David Flynn. Um, to look at all of this, you know, the more I study it, the more I am becoming convinced that there is definitely something to it that there is uh, evidence that there was a civilization or some sort of series of monuments that were established on Mars many years ago, certainly thousands of years ago, perhaps millions of years ago, and that, uh, ironically, some of these things, some of these features are actually mirrored in many of the megalithic monuments uh, on the Earth. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it defies any sort of natural explanation. Uh, it suggests that something was on Mars long before Earth or that some set of, of beings that were once on Mars came to Earth and communicated information to, uh, to Earthlings. And, of course, to, to be more specific, um, a gentleman named Richard C. Hoagland, who's been sort of a cheerleader for the idea of there was once life on Mars, his position succinctly is that before we were Earthlings, we were Martians. Ooh. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. But the, the comeback from David Flynn, who uh, passed away just a couple of years ago, David had done some phenomenal work. The book he wrote is called Sidonia, the Secret Chronicles of Mars. And uh, David's view was that it is true that there was a civilization on Mars or on Rahab before there was a civilization on Earth, but that civilization consisted of angelic beings, not uh-huh. uh, homo sapiens. And okay, so, so that, the, the, the angel yeah. hung out on Mars. They hung out on Mars, or they hung out on Rahab. Mars was perhaps a moon that, like our moon, faced uh, the planet Rahab. At some point in time, this planet was destroyed. Um, This planet, uh, in effect, uh, its bits and pieces became what we call the asteroid belt, and uh, and that Mars, which was following uh, Rahab, went on its continued on its merry way around the uh, you know around the solar system. Uh, it circulates around the sun in about about two years and one month, uh, Earth years, in other words. Martian year is about 728 days, I think it is. So uh, nevertheless, the uh, the discussion, there's a whole lot of things. I mean, and that's why I wrote a book, right, that um, talks about this. But did you write a there book? <laughs> are, I did write a book. I called it Lying Wonders, the Red Planet, Exposing yeah. the Secrets or Exposing the Lies of Ancient Aliens. And so on the one hand, um, in the book, I am taking to task the um, sort of the popular theories in our culture today about uh, aliens, extraterrestrials, ET, and um, certainly the the History Channel, its um, ancient aliens theories, which I really call the gospel of ET. Uh, I challenge that. But on the other hand, I I do join in the speculation uh, that I believe has some biblical support 
that suggests that other things may have been going on in our solar system besides just what was happening on planet Earth, and that perhaps before Adam and Eve were created, there may have been another species of, we'll call them hominids or humanoids, that uh, may have existed, but they were not created in the image of God. Uh, This was something that was unique to Adam and then to Eve, but there was some kind of interaction or communication between uh, human homo sapiens and uh, and angelic beings, which, of course, the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 6. It talks about um, the watchers, the the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim, that came to earth and that found the daughters of men attractive, and they, uh, according to the book of Enoch, which is not a biblical book, but is referred to by, uh, by the book of Jesus and inferred by the book of Peter, uh, the book of Enoch talks more specifically about these angels and talks about the fact that 200 of these angels uh, covenanted together. They came down from a heavenly sphere, heavenly plane, on Mount uh, Hermon uh, in the land of Canaan. Um, and uh, we would call that today the, the Golan Heights, but that is where Mount Hermon is. Right. And that there... They, uh, they covenanted together to take wives, and they created a race uh, known as the Nephilim. Uh, and this was the race of giants. Moses, who we believe wrote uh, the first five books of the Bible in Genesis, talks about these giants as being the men of renown. And uh, by that, he was really suggesting that the history that talks about the, the, sort of the Olympians and the Titans now, all that was based upon these Nephilim, the sons of God, that, uh, that, that cohabitated with women, human women, and gave birth to a hybrid race, um, the Nephilim. And, of course, Margie and Jerry, we've had uh, a chance to talk about some of these very odd and strange yeah. things uh, yeah. together, haven't we? Well, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, but, you know... Um, I've been a pretty sheltered believer all my life, and I didn't even know really, I mean, I apologize now, but I mean, so sheltered to the point where, you know, at first you don't even know the devil really is as active in the world, demons, Satan, whatever, as you, you know, get to believe as you go along. But if you don't put giants, I found out, if you don't put giants and and the fallen angels or Satan or whatever in the equation... Um, none of this stuff makes sense and makes God look pretty crazy, especially when it comes to something like the flood, when you've got, right. why did God do that? Why did he kill all of his creation? Well, if you're right, and these um, Nephilim, uh, which were the um, the offspring of the mating of uh, the fallen angels with humans, human women, um, these, right. these giants, uh, Nephilim, were, were, you know, destroying the land, eating up the people, tramping the vegetation, uh, they it couldn't be sustained. Plus, they were also corrupting the DNA, which was the big problem. Because yeah. now, if God, if Jesus Christ is going to come through uh, the seed of a woman, and all the seed of the woman is corrupted with DNA uh, that's demonically tainted, then you can never have a savior. And um, and so I think God got down to his last good batch of DNA in Noah, and he says, "We better do something <laughs> about this," because it says Noah was the last one left found righteous in his generations, and then. Um, so he, yes. you know, packed him up, got him on the boat, and, and of course, um, the truth is that God was trying to save the human race, and everything that God, not only, you know, God dealt with those initial 
Nephilim giants, according to Enoch. You know, I don't know how many there were, but they were huge. Um, and he, he made the watchers, their fathers, the fallen angels, made them watch right. what was going on. And then he locked them up for um, 70 generations, which is basically 4,900 years, which basically brings us to about 1917, time of World War One. You know, and all these technical... Yep. Uh, geniuses were re- released back on the earth because, you know, it makes sense because before that, I mean, all we did was plow with horses and we just, did, you know, killed people with swords and, you know, had a musket here and there. But, boy, I tell you, by the time we get to, to we're flying airplanes and Crete and submarines and technology and we've just moved into another arena with our, and, and that was one of the things I, I uh, the fallen angels taught the humans was how to make weapons. Um and right, so I right. don't think that really messes up anything of the true story of, you know, salvation, Jesus, love, God's goodness, grace. No, no, it, it, what, what um, you know, uh, I think was sort of, when I was writing one of my first books uh, about five or six years ago, it, it struck me that I would have thought that the, the talk of the giants in the land of Canaan, that it was, was kind of a, a, an unimportant part of the story of salvation, but there, but there is a, a pretty fascinating and probably pretty significant aspect to it, um, you know, that, that as you quoted in Genesis uh, 6, it says, you know, that Noah was picked because he was perfect in all his generations, meaning that his bloodline had never been corrupted, and that it was because of that reason that Noah's family was selected. Now, there's, there's controversy as to why it was that Moses said that there were giants in the land in, you know, in those days and also afterwards, meaning after the flood, there were giants yet again. The question is, well, why were there still giants? You know, had, uh-huh. the, had the angels come back again to impregnate women, or was there some corruption uh, on the ark in one of the perhaps the wives of Noah's sons? Uh, perhaps uh, Japheth or perhaps Ham. And so uh, our good friend Rob Skiba has a, the view that there, that was exactly what was going on. His view is that there was uh, some type of tainting of the DNA in one of the wives and that the, the giants reappeared after the flood because of that DNA tainting. Now, that's the minority view. The majority view says, no, that the history of satanic encounter, demonic encounter with, with the human species is it's always been one of corruption and that this corruption had become so bad and so blatant prior to the flood that the only way God could preserve a true human species, uh, pure human species, was by wiping out all of the, uh, the hybrids that existed. And right. as you mentioned, this included not just the, the homo sapiens, but included the chimeras, all of the animals that had been uh, tampered with as well. And, um, and so, uh, but it appears that, you know, we, whether we talk about the, the fairy circles, the leprechauns, you know, 500, 600 years ago, or we talk about what's happening today with alien abduction, you know, it appears that uh, demonic forces are still attempting to create some sort of hybrid race. And, of course, there are many, uh, a brother like Steve Quayle, would say they succeeded, that the hybrids are out there, they're amongst us already, that the plan has always been to create a hybrid race and that they finally perfected it. 
And so um, as, as outlandish as that may sound, once one does you know, study, which I have, you find there's some fairly compelling reasons to consider these things to be, to be possibly true. And so um, anyway, so the idea of Nephilim, of, of fallen angels, the watchers as they were called, corrupting the human race, this is, this is something that appears to be uh, a viable part of biblical history. And uh, so I happen to believe that, that it is that it is true. Yeah, it, uh, Doug. You know, there's there's such a interest, uh, fascination. You know, books, movies, and all for all sorts of things like this. Of you know, a fascination and interest in in aliens, alien species, aliens co-mingling. Uh, we've got you know hybrid species from you know Spider-Man to Superman to you know the Hulk and and all this this kind of thing. Uh, not so much in that vein, but 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 we're getting. It seems like we're getting programmed with this hybridization in through these yeah. superheroes. I mean, which have been around for a long time in the comic books. Now they're out in the movies, and and that there's so uh, much regarding the you know the aliens, UFOs, and so forth. Uh, you know, some people may think you know that hey, if there you know there is there are others out there. There's other life out there. There are aliens out there. And, uh, you know, maybe if uh, this planet Rahab was destroyed and, and, and there people, the, the beings that were there went to Mars, are, are there still, uh, what about the speculation, are there still some residuals out there in the universe that are, are watching us intermingling, uh, abducting. Ab- abducting and... Uh, <laughs> You know, just right. kind of zipping by us every once in a while, checking us all out. Right, right. Well, the, the phenomenon of alien abduction is, uh, is of course, a huge question. There have been so many uh, books written about this, but what's been intriguing is that in the last 10 years or so, it's become more public that um, a very credible researchers, uh, individuals that are professors at, uh, at Temple University, like a David Jacobs or... Uh, a uh, gentleman that was a uh, professor at Harvard, there had been a number of uh, very credentialed, uh, legitimate uh, sources that have studied the whole issue of alien abduction and have come to some very disquieting conclusions that uh, there wait. appears to be something to it and that uh, this is not you know, purely a, um, the result of uh, you know, crazy people uh, this is not, uh, although some believe that this is purely a psychological, uh, visionary type of experience, there are others, certainly L.A. Marzulli, who's a friend who wrote the forward to, to my book, Lying Wonders, who believes, no, there's, there's real physical evidence that is left behind by uh, these, uh, these, these forces, these powers, these persons that are doing the abducting. And there's, there's physical evidence. We, we've heard certainly about alien implants. Anyone that has seen um, you know, the X-Files, uh, you get in the X-Files a, a pretty accurate picture of the accounts that uh, not just dozens, but literally hundreds, of, if not thousands, of individuals have, uh, have given to talk about these experiences they've had. And um, uh, as I, I talked about this in, in the presentation one of the presentations I did in Florida, as I mentioned earlier, I called it Close Encounters of a Fourth Kind. You might recall the movie Close Encounters of a Third Kind. 
the old commercials when they, they came out when Steven Spielberg first did this. And by the way, it was a movie that when he was going to make it, um, forces within the government encouraged him not to make it, that he was getting too close to the truth. And uh, they preferred that he didn't make it, that he decided to go ahead and do it. But these old commercials that talked about, well, a close encounter of the, of the first kind is a sighting. A close encounter of the second type is some kind of a physical trace or physical evidence. A close encounter of a third kind was actual contact. And, of course, that was really what the movie was all about, is uh, Richard Dreyfus eventually coming into contact with aliens. And as we see in the extended version, he gets taken aboard a spacecraft, presumably to learn all of the wonders and the uh, miracles that the extraterrestrials possess that he could then yeah. come back and be an ambassador to, uh, to Earth. But the question really that I raise is, well, you know, is that it? And I say no, that the close encounters of a fourth kind involves much more than just contact but it involves, uh, as uh, David and Jacobs would agree, it involves some type of corruption of the human genome, a change in the nature of humanity, uh, the creation of some type of hybrid offspring. In the, in the TV series X-Files, you may remember uh, Alex Krychek and the smoking man and these different characters and what they were about was facilitating some type of, of alien extraterrestrial plan in which the aliens would, would eventually take over the world. They would take over the bodies of human beings. And, uh, and of course, we see that in the first X-Files movie where these very uh, kind of like the, the movie Alien, if anyone saw that, they become sort of like these just horrific creatures that grow within us and uh, basically use our bodies as a vitamin pack to allow their uh, very ugly, horrific form to take shape within us. And so well. close encounters of the fourth kind is much more like that, that the plan is that uh, I believe Lucifer is seeking to remake Homo sapiens into his image, that he's seeking yeah. to corrupt the human genome and to cause it to look yeah. much more like, like Satan. Well. Well, can I take off a little bit on that myself and say it's corrupting the image of God in us because we carry the image of God made in the image of God, of course. And, you know, even in just regardless of whether there's these fourth encounters of the fourth kind, the, the DNA of the human beings is, is you know, it's, it's waning down and it's being uh, changed through radiation and through damage and and all kinds of things, and this is why we're getting all these extra difficulties in our, our health and our vitality and our abilities and whatnot. But the thing is, if it is, as you say, that Satan is actually looking to build a, a body uh, that has no soul or has, you know, or that he can inhabit comfortably, um, and these, you know, I don't know what that means because the breath of God, I mean, this becomes a totally, be, uh, be outside of the crazy, any questions of ethics and what and who are, Who's savable and who's who's a human being? Oh right, You're does everybody right. who's a human being look like one, or do if some of these people look like humans aren't human? This is kind of like um, on the freaky order of everything. But I would say this: there's a lot of people out there, and I can you know I've looked and listened to, to a little a few of them, and they want a DNA upgrade. They want a immortality outside of the 
the cross of Jesus Christ and eternal life that he provides. So they're doing everything they can to be the next bionic, uh, you know, eternal being, whether it's, you know, through a DNA upgrade or, 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 you know, immortalizing through, I don't know, you know, implants and chemical computers right. in their bloodstream and all kinds of things. Right. Sorry? Oh, transhumanism is the, oh, yeah, is the trans, laboratory yeah. term that we've uh, certainly heard a lot about over the last couple of decades. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that um, you know, what what if if this is true, then we are pushing towards the return of Jesus Christ because this cannot this is the this is the the bottom line. This is the sacred line you do not cross. When you start messing with the human being in the made in the image of God and I think if indeed the enemy is as we perceive him to be, and if he is out there, and if he does, you know, I don't know if he's an alien or if he, he uses aliens or I don't know what those creatures were, if they're demoted angels, I don't know if they're demons. Because, you know, one of the things about demons and evil spirits is they are interesting enough when the the uh, the Nephilim, uh, the giants, that is, who are made of their DNA is part human, part demon, uh, watcher, a part angel, I should fallen right. angel and part human. Right. When they died, the question becomes, well, where did they go? Do they, do they, right. You know, right. I, they, there's no place for them to go. So my my theory, and I think others support this as well, is that they right. are what we're t- we're calling the demons and evil spirits. They are they have no bodies. Jesus cast them out of people. We know they're real because Jesus cast them out and dealt with them all the time. And they're looking for a body. They're they're going to you know, settle for a pig if they have to, but. They want a body with which to act out or or get their needs met, and right. so these are these all these evil spirits, and they get into people. And you know, like like for example, next week we're going to be talking about why do I do what I don't want to do, um, and that's a big problem in the church. Why are we you know trying to quit this and can't stop doing that and addicted to this and craving that and. And, and it just seems we're out of control and something else is in control. And Paul says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. It's, so what is this thing that's doing this stuff in me that I don't want to do that's making me hate myself and try harder? But anyway, that's next week's program, Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do. But going back, it all makes sense if you put the demons um, you know, back yeah. into it. But going back to the scary part, uh, it, I just don't see how the earth can go on if, in fact, there was any, if, if there's any substance to what you and many others are saying um, about, you know, the, right. the, the humans, you know, transhumans and messing the genomes. and Right, right. Well, that's, I think there's a couple of verses, you know, there's, there's one verse that, that Jesus talks about, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find, shall he find uh, faith on earth. Faith. But there's another place where he talks about, you know, shall shall uh, you know if, if the if the days weren't shortened, no life would be left. And and perhaps one of the ways to interpret that is that there would be no pure human life left; that it would be corrupted. Uh, and that appears to be a possibility. If you know, certainly David Jacobs uh, in his book called The Threat, he talks about this. Nick Redfern talks about this in his book called Final Event um, that the the thinking is that within a certain, perhaps within another generation, that the the corruption of the of the human race would have been accomplished, and that these entities, these powers, would have uh, in effect transplanted themselves within human human uh, humankind, uh, such that they would utilize our genetic 
uh, you might say, robustness to give themselves new life. There's all kinds of very strange theories about this, um, which most of those theories, in my opinion, are probably wrong. But nevertheless, it is a, a, a you know a discussion that's happening amongst more you know some very some very credible researchers that have done a lot of work in this area, and so um, you know it's it's not beyond the pale any longer. Talk about these kinds of possibilities, and uh, certainly a, a number of Christians like uh, L.A. Mozuli, Steve Quayle, Stan Bayo, uh, Rob Skiba, myself, Doug Hamp. Uh, have talked a lot and written a lot about these very, very strange uh, phenomenon. And uh, it's it's a very frightening scenario. And as you suggest, Margie, you know, you wonder how long this kind of thing could go on before uh, God has to just call a halt to it and say, enough, enough already. Uh, and, uh, you know, that seems to be where we're headed. Yeah, I, I was just thinking the, the, the same thing, uh, Doug, that, uh, you know, at the time uh, of the flood, when God sent the flood, you know, the human, the human beings had, had crossed the line. You know, the, the human uh, human beings, the DNA corrupted with the, the Nephilim and so forth. The human, the human right. race crossed the line. God brought the flood. We're on the edge of crossing line here, and God is just going to have to say, "Hey, you know, this is this is it. I I I can't I can't uh, you know put up with this any longer." But can you address right. the area? Just to what extent is going on? You know that you're aware of as far as you know university studies and so forth during you know trans uh, transhumanism and so forth. We I've seen uh, uh, video on the uh, over in England where there's a whole bunch of cows. And they've got human DNA in them. They're part human, part cow. They're clones. They're clones, and they yeah. draw the blood right. out of there, treat certain diseases. Do you know? I mean, what? From your understanding, what what's the extent of this sort of experimentation and uh, you know the universities, well, the, uh, yeah, cloning and so forth? Right. It's probably far uh, far greater than what we are led to. Uh, you know, or what I should say is, is what we are being told. It's probably far greater than what we are being told. Um, we know that in England in particular, that a lot of studies have been done that have produced some very frightening chimera. We've certainly seen um, movies, uh, whether we're talking about species or, or um, there was a, another movie that was made that uh, talked about this, you know, possibility of a, of a human clone. We've seen super soldier movies. There's a movie out now with Johnny Depp called Transcendence that seems to hint at some of these same things. Um, But within the science lab, there have been a lot of scientists that have talked about that this is where they are going. They are seeking to find solutions to problems, that there will be DNA upgrades that will eradicate diseases. And, uh, you know, I can actually tell you that uh, talking with a number of folks that counsel uh, and I know, Margie, you obviously you, you, you counsel with uh, a number of folks that have been involved in um, satanic ritual abuse. Um, there have certainly been some that have been involved in uh, programming by uh, governmental agencies, the CIA in particular. Um, but there are some uh, counselors, some uh, really well-trained, credible individuals that uh, the council with um, individuals that 
either claim to be hybrids or claim to know a significant amount about the hybridization program. And um, the, the information that I hear, I don't talk about much because it's very difficult to, uh, you know, verify any of this. It's it's individuals that are talking to, um, you know, during uh, their counseling sessions with these therapists. They talk about uh, what they know about hybrid programs, hybridization. Um, some of this occurs more or less in the test tube, and some of this occurs more along the lines of Rosemary's baby, in which uh, satanic entities or Satan himself is involved in uh, procreating and creating hybrids. There's uh, one counselor in particular that works with a series of, of women and uh, one or two gentlemen that um, has, you know, gone uh, places that uh, others haven't in terms of, um, of investigation and kind of breaking through the, the, uh, the code okay. and the confusion that exists to talk about these, you know, these possibilities of, of these hybrids existing. And, uh, well, they definitely uh, and do. The yeah. they, definitely, they definitely do exist in the fact that I know that um, the human being, just as mm-hmm. is, can be programmed um, by the demonic forces, and, and I believe the body of death that t- Paul talks about in Romans 7 is, that, uh, is an operating software from hell that gets in our soul mm-hmm. and, and controls a lot of our decisions, oppressing believers and possessing um, the unsaved. Um, so you're, you're definitely, this is definitely out there. I mean, we don't even have to go into the, the lab to, to mess with the DNA or the genes. I mean, we can. the devil is able to do these things through ritualistic abuse, through satanic ritualistic abuse, through sexual abuse, all kinds of things. And I think right. that is, you know, I mean, obviously some of these things we are not going to be able to stop or do much about, but we do need to understand what I, I guess it's more concerning to me, and not to switch subjects, but this can go on and it's very interesting. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. there are people out there who are, you know, whatever... Uh, controlled, operated by the devil, don't remember what they're doing, um, you know, sleepers, if you will, or go in, and, and that's what the super soldiers are too. But what's, what's right. happening to the masses? I think that the, the, the media, the, 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 the works of darkness, Lucifer, I mean, from you've done a lot of work on the, 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 the history of America and the histories of uh, the final, you know, just talking about the insidious underlying constant work of the enemy to to work his plan either through the Illuminati, the Freemasons, whatever, da 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 da. So the Luciferian right. Right. to to bring a collective mind that's malleable and 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 agreeable and softened and seduced by the enemy into into swallowing a new age. I mean, there are sedatives, there's seductions, um, there's medications. People are just losing it. They're just dropping off like flies in terms of. I think this this global brainwashing, um, the revival of New Age, black magic, um, you know, the, mm-hmm. the other world entities conjuring them up, looking for aliens, right. um, even being fascinated by the movies and that sort of thing. What do you say to um, this kind of massive kind of takeover of the human mind, on a, the collective mind um, of human beings? Right. Yeah, well, certainly the, the, you know, the verse I have, affixed to the cover of my book is Second Thessalonians 2, 8 and 9. It talks about uh, that, uh, that the Antichrist will appear with all manner of signs and lying wonders. 
and uh, that these signs will be so compelling that if possible, switching over talking about Matthew 24, 24, Mark 13, 22, that the signs will be so compelling that if possible, even the elect would be deceived. So yeah. the uh, one of the close encounters of the fourth kind really is this sort of uh, community uh, human consciousness brainwashing that yeah. is occurring in which uh, everyone is being um, inundated with the notion that science will bring us to sort of a, a new DNA upgrade that we will be um, ushered into the new age and that this new consciousness will include a, some sort of new body. One of the things that's, that's just really amazing to tell you how far this really has come, um, and Margie and Jerry, you may be familiar with this or you may not have seen this, but there is a, uh, a website now that is called the Hybrid Children Community. It's, it's literally uh-huh. hybridchildrencommunity.com. So it's all uh-huh. one word, hybridchildrencommunity.com. And the purpose is to connect hybrid children with their human families. They say to build enclaves for the children to land. Uh, the subcaption of their website is, Welcome to Hybrid Land, a world of sweet adventure. Come and play with us, your superhuman children. Uh, <laughs> so wow. What they actually are is a matchmaking service helping you if you've been abducted uh, and if you believe that you have had hybrid children, that you were impregnated by aliens, uh, and that you had children, which seems to be the, a very common story, uh, individuals are connected, you know, they, they, they have children, they come back at times, um, they are re-abducted, the, children is taken, uh, the child is taken out of the womb after about three months, um, and then they may be uh, sort of reintroduced to their mother uh, before the uh, nine-month period is ended, or they may not. And uh, in this situation, this is, by the way, very similar to things that happened five or 600 years ago in the world of fairies and fairy circles. Uh, the idea of humans being drugged through the fairy circle into an other dimension and being asked to nurture the children that had been created in some sort of a, of a hybrid, uh, you know, sexual copulation experience between these entities and uh, these humans that were unlucky enough to be dragged through these fairy circles. So, you know, just, just remarkable. But anyway, this is a real uh, website, hybridchildrencommunity.com, where they talk about trying to help you find your hybrid child and to, to help match you up so that eventually – these children can come, they can become part of our community, and uh, the hybrids will be living amongst us and will be treated as a very special uh, individuals in our society. Wow. How can you, you know, how can you wonder, you know, about, I mean, the mercy of God and what he has to have put up with and watched, and, you know, our, our, the rebellion from the beginning, I'm just, you know, again, um, from the very beginning, there's been the occultism and the spiritism and the, the work of demons who've created all kinds of stories and concoctions and interfaced with and interacted with and, and uh, intercepted, inter- invaded the human race to create all kinds of impossible, horrible, dark uh, stories. And yet we seem to be so fascinated by these things. We want them. Why in the world will we want to learn magic and and, and 
evil and darkness instead of oh, God. No. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. And and these people are, though they're hidden, they're well promoted. I mean, they have books out there, yeah. and they are in power positions um, in in governments, in in all kinds of groups and agencies. I mean, what right. you know, we're we're fascinated with the sun gods and Ra and Egyptian gods and all of these things, the great old ones. And what is our problem? <laughs> well, the problem in part is that we rebelled against the Creator, <laughs> and we we about 150, 200 years ago, we dismissed the Judeo God, Judeo Christian God of the Bible, and we became practical atheists or real atheists. But yet, yeah. we decided that we still needed some kind of of explanation for why we are here. We still wanted to have some sort of a celestial or cosmic father. And so we invented uh, aliens. And, uh, you know, one of the things, of course, I do in, in the book Line Wonders is I trace the history of our interest in Mars and how this history happened about 100, began about 150 years ago. Um, and it really blossomed into what today is known as the ancient alien theory. Uh, but it was really a growing out of the, you know, the, the failure of a traditional view of God and we decided to substitute God with uh, with an extraterrestrial. Uh, we decided, decided that evolution was uh, a fact not only on the Earth, but evolution was a fact across the board on other planets. Um, and it's really intriguing to me that when you go back to 1860, 1870, you look at some of these guys that were the forerunners to today's Jesuits that run the uh, Roman, the Vatican Observatory in Rome, um, if you go back and you look who it was that was doing this in 1860, 1870, 1890, uh, you generally with a guy named Pietro Secchi, another guy named Giovanni Schiaparelli. These were the original astronomers that studied Mars, that uh, they first called the canals on Mars, the canali. Uh, they were Jesuits, believe it or not. They, too, were Jesuits. They believed in the plurality of worlds. Uh, they believed that there were other creatures, other uh, beings on other planets, and that they began to talk about our space brothers long before uh, Gabriel Fines, uh, today's you know, one of the principal guys uh, at the Vatican Observatory today. Uh, certainly the book um, uh, Exo Vaticana talks about uh, Chris Putnam, a friend, and Tom, Tom Horn, that talk about how the Catholic Church has been part of this story of sort of prepping uh, Catholics to believe in the possibility of, uh, of disclosure of alien life and that this alien life is uh, that these are other creatures of God. They are our brothers. Um, in fact, you know, Chris Putnam mentioned today that, that the Romans are already, Roman Catholics are already planning to baptize the aliens when they come. And... Uh, <laughs> How nice! How what foresight we have here! It's amazing. Yeah. You know, but can I just say, as you you're on this roll, I got to ask you. You know, it's like like we've just been jumping all over the board. First of all, you know, we reject our our divine origin is is created in the image of God, and then we come up with, well, is it monkeys or is it aliens? I just want to know. I mean, did I come from a monkey? Is evolution right? Um, And it's a monkey or it's a it's a whatever a process of random you know, chance. They have got so many theories out there, 
and, and they keep right. changing them all the time. So I don't know how their people can even keep up with it. I mean, it's like, you know, what's the latest, you know, you know uh, theory of our origin? Why can't we just stick with God? God works well. He's our, our Heavenly Father. But here's, here's the problem, I think, really, is that uh-huh. because the gospel of Jesus Christ has been so corrupted, so swapped out, so counterfeited, and, and Satan knows how hungry we are, made by God, built by God, to want to be good, to want to be loved, to want to have purpose, meaning, et cetera, et cetera, in our life, because we may, were made by God, that he has used that very desire to know more, to be more like God, um, to be wise, um, to, to shut down our, 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 our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So we are now assuming the role of our own creator, really. We're our own gods, our own creator. We're going to tell ourselves how we got here, and we're using the very breath that God gave us to badmouth him to curse him, to shut him down. I mean, I just, what is our problem? It seems like, you know, all these guys, there's, there is a sinister, diabolical movement, and it seems like the movement doesn't even agree with itself, but it's a movement against and away from God, no matter what, and it's, it's swallowing up, and, and, and there's the, the only, I mean, why would the 20-somethings or 30-somethings want to consider the gospel of Jesus Christ at this point? Because it's not lived out. We don't see the mighty signs and wonders. We don't see the um, the dem- power demonstration because all we see is um, our counterfeit everything, and they just get sick of it. You know, they'll go they'll oh, yeah. go do their real yeah. life at the movies. I mean, they go they go have their two hour real life at the movie, and then they come home and and live online somewhere and just ignore their their true destiny. <laughs> what do you say to that? Well, yeah, I think that of course we all wonder just about how real. Uh, life is when you go to the movies. <laughs> well, I think they're telling us a whole lot. That's right. There's not a lot, a whole lot of reality there, but nevertheless, it's a it's a type of reality that that more and more people are adopting as uh, as an explanation. You know, if if you talk to sort of the average, uh, we'll call them an intelligent person, the average intelligent person, that um, you know, you know, do they believe in God? No. Do they believe that extraterrestrials may have been involved in nurturing or advancing the human genome of, uh, of causing us to perhaps come about through some sort of what's known as panspermia, some type of pollinization of the universe, uh, and that somehow they've interceded uh, at certain points in our past to cause us to, to become uh, intelligent uh, more well adapted or uh, to our you know, to our, our surroundings and so forth. The average intelligent person says yes, that's what they believe, and um, they they may not say that they believe in little green man, but uh, they're they're likely to say that they believe that life probably originated somewhere else in the universe, that it was seeded here by intelligence from another star another galaxy, and that somehow it is that that they find as a, as a better explanation for how we've come to be than the explanation that there is a creator God who created us and who established uh, sort of the rules of the road for life on this planet and that he, uh, he wants us to have a full and meaningful life, but along the line we chose to disobey and it created a you know a domino effect and all kinds of uh, of calamities and problems for the human race. 
and, and a lot of unanswered else. questions. I think a right. lot of unanswered sure. questions because that they, you know, we do not know how to give an answer to every man for the hope that lies in us. But bottom line, hope. Where is their hope? What is their hope? That they'll return as a butterfly? That they can, you know, kind of resurface <laughs> as a butterfly instead of a caterpillar? I mean, it's right. like we, you know, and, I, and all of this is just so much hoo-ha. But there's a lot of the same stuff going on in the church, I think, because we live, you know, in the sand. I have to say that, you know, I really believe there is a remnant that know God and know the Word and are going to hold on to that, and the rest of them are going to take the mark of the beast and be wiped out. And I don't even know if they're humans sometimes. I mean, it sounds pretty pathetic. But back to our responsibility um, and, and God's faithfulness, God is faithful to complete what he's begun in us. And, and so my, my encouragement to the people is to just hold on to the word of God. Hey, we need to take a little break here, but it, one yep. of the reasons, Doug, we're not getting any, any calls tonight is because we've tied up all our phone lines because we had a, we had a you know, jerry-rig this show tonight because the prince of the power of the air didn't want it to happen. So we got, <laughs> we're getting no calls, but I got a way around that. Why don't we give some email addresses so all the people who are just getting all stirred up and can't stand it and are listening tonight, yeah. they, can, they can email questions to you and, and to us. And sure. I'm sure I, I, you know, if you don't mind, I mean, if you don't want all Not those at questions. All. Not okay, at all. Okay, why no, don't you, you give send, an email address yeah. so they can send their questions and then maybe we can yeah. uh, help them out that way. You can, send a, you can send a question to me at Doug at faith-happens.com, Doug at faith-happens.com. And uh, I'll be looking here in my email to see if anybody sends me a message. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if there's been anybody in the chat rooms. Have there been people in the chat rooms? No. She says quiet out there on the set. But anyway. Um, and you know, if you want to email me, I'm not really good at this, so I'd say send all your email questions to Doug. <laughs> if you got That's questions right. about spiritual warfare and internal battles, then you can talk to me. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to help you out much. Mine is M Cole. M as in Margie, Cole, C-O-L-E, at liferecovery.com. And uh, so um, let's do a little commercial break here. We're going to advertise our store, I think. Um, We've got a lot of stuff there, a lot of tools, a lot of things like you do, Doug, for people. But my stuff isn't really on aliens and invasions. It's more on demonic stuff like that, spiritual warfare. So go ahead, Des, run that commercial. Life Recovery offers a wide variety of books, teaching manuals, CDs, and DVDs, all designed to expose Satan's lies and equip believers with the powerful weapons of spiritual warfare. Okay, hey guys out there, you can really help us out. Thing, um, and this has been a tremendous stir-up kind of show. And I, I, you know, I know a lot of people come later, download it, you know, because they can't all sit for two hours at their computer and they don't have that many minutes on their phone and whatever's else going on. But um, I really encourage you guys to help us. We are the remnant. We need to uh, know what we believe and know why we believe it. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we need to tell the others about the good news before He gets back. And who knows? It could be definitely not too long from now. So, you know, tell people about Rescue Radio and. Uh, Go to Doug's site, check it out, buy a book, um, stir it up out there a little bit. If nothing else, you'll get some conversations going. And <laughs> so, back to you, Doug, what, what would you like to talk about with that we haven't quite hit yet in terms of, you know, your your study of Mars or, or any kind of takeaways right. that you want to wrap, wrap well, this thing up? We've got about 15 minutes. Yeah, I think to kind of go back to the blood moons for a couple of minutes, you know, one okay. of the main 
uh, one of the main takeaways, I think, for the Blood Moons, uh, which really Mark Biltz uh, hits on in his books, is that you're really talking about a providential God that orders, you know, the stars, the planets in their orbits, the moon and its orbit around the Earth, that orders things in such a way that, that he is telling the story to us and he is trying to get our attention and that he is able to work things out to the very day, uh, even though it may be thousands of years in advance. He is able to communicate through the prophets of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and things will happen in accordance to his will. Mark spends a lot of time in his book talking about the, the various feasts of Israel, Passover, uh, the Pentecost, the, uh, you know, the Feast of First Fruits. These are the Spring Feast, the Fall Feast of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, uh, Sukkot. Uh, these are the Fall Feasts. And uh, you know, the, the argument is that Jesus Christ fulfilled the Spring Feast to the very day on the specific feast days or holidays that those days were in, uh, created originally to symbolize. And likewise, the, the argument is that in the, the fall holidays, they really refer to the second coming of Christ, to the judgment of the nations on Yom Kippur, to Rosh Hashanah, which could be the possibility of the rapture, the resurrection, um, to the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, which could, which appears to be a, a reference to the millennial kingdom of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ. So all of these holidays have very specific meaning, and, and God has ordered things and ordained things in such a way that, that these dates and these events uh, not only signify future events, but that these future events will be fulfilled on those very days. And so it is a, a testimony to the providence of God and the power of God that he has given uh, us these prophecies and that these prophecies, in fact, prove to us and can prove to anyone that's really open-minded that uh, there is a God in heaven and that he has spoken to us through his Son and that the, the history of the, uh, of the Hebrews was leading up to the, uh, the fulfillment of, uh, of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so I think that's really one of the major takeaways uh, in the whole series of uh, the issues of the blood moons and, and uh, what these events and these holidays mean. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like there's a divine schedule. God's got this divine schedule. And, and like you said, the, the spring feasts, the, 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 the Passover, his sacrificial death, the unleavened bread, which is kind of like the burial, uh, the first fruits, which is his Jesus' physical resurrection, and then 50 days later you've got Pentecost, which is the Holy Spirit being outpoured on the men and women at um, in the upper room. Then you have like a summer break, or you have like a growing time, or the, the fields of, are harvesting, or ripening into harvest, let's say. And then in the fall, that's when you actually do the harvesting. You you pull in the grain, and, and that's, of course, when we have the Feast of Trumpets, which would be, like you said, Rosh Hashanah, maybe that rapture, or the, the mixture of rib, tribulation and rapture, I think, go good together there. Mm-hmm. Then you have the, 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 the Day, day of Atonement. Huh? They, oh, they go the good together ball. because if you get one, you, you yeah. hope the rapture is going to happen. <laughs> you know, a lot of people now well, have this problem, too, is, is there really a rapture? So yeah. I, you know. That's right. That's but right. then we have the, yeah. the the judgment and the harvest, and and then finally the coronation of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And you know, I mean, 
people have been hoodwinked since the beginning. But I really, truly believe that if it wouldn't be for the fact that God is, you know, he's, he's ahead of the devil. The devil does not win. He's working his tail off, literally, no pun intended, to try to wreck this, this plan of God. But God is in control of it all in that he gives us a free will. He gives us options. The option is you, you choose to live in sin or you give it to me and you, you know, embrace the Son of God. And so, but I really believe that um, there's, what we have to do is focus, go back to the basics, the basics of um, the blood of Jesus Christ, eternal life. I mean, I'm not, I'm not discounting anything we talked about tonight. I think it's really important mm-hmm. to understand the phenomenal um, works of darkness here that we're up, what we're up against. But at the same time, um, we have hope. We have, we, we have a blessed hope. We have, people say, well, you're crazy, you know, you shouldn't have any hope. There's no reason to have hope, you know. We don't need hope because we're going to make our own eternal immortal bodies and we're going to need, I would not want to live down here for a thousand years, thank you. I don't care, you know. I mean, (laughs) I mean, no. but, yeah, I love what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think that's the bottom line is people don't have hope. And what are we giving them? I mean, church, we're giving them church. We're giving them, you know, oatmeal mixed with gravel. I don't know. Jerry, what do you think about that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Doug, well, it's it's true, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, what you said, just, just, a, just a little bit of a review here, too, about what you're talking about there regarding the blood moons is just how God is, what a great and wonderful God, you know, uh, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, you know, his handiwork. And and, and all these all these signs and you know, even, you know, the signs of the what Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty four about the time of it was coming and as it was in the days of Noah and and with the blood moons and God has given us all this and and, and we mentioned about the prophetic uh, fulfillment of these uh, feasts and even the prophetic fulfillments, uh, fulfillments of uh, the, the coming of the Lord, the first coming, his birth, his, his life, his, his death, his resurrection, and how you, you can go to the scriptures and see the, the prophecy and then you can go to the New Testament and see the fulfillment. It's just, it's just so absolutely wonderful and powerful. Um, you know, what... What would you say to someone that is, you know, they they hear about, they've heard about these things, you know, blood moons, aliens, Mars, all this stuff, and you know, a lot of things that are going on. Uh, fearful sights are going to be happening, you know, in our day. Uh, but for someone that's just say listening and they're just, you know, maybe they've heard this, they're uh, they're they're confused, they're they're looking for some answers, and maybe fear grips, grips people, what's going to happen? Um, can you just maybe just uh, summarize, talk to someone that maybe is listening to that and says, what in the world is going on here? Um, is, there, is there some hope and focus that we could, that you would suggest that they could uh, take? Yeah, well, I certainly think that uh, we are living in, in very strange days. They're, they're, they're far more bizarre and have become more bizarre, I'd say, in the last 10, 12 years than 
anything that really any of us experienced, you know, in the 1970s and 1980s and goodness knows the 1990s were, were pretty, pretty, you know, kind of a, uh, well, what's the term, halcyon days, you know, pretty pretty good days, you know. The Clinton era was, was a good time in the U.S., and we actually had a budget surplus, and there were a lot of good things going on. But, but really since about 2001, 2002, especially after 2008, 2009, things have, have been uh, on a downward slide. And, you know, it's not clear that, that things are going to get better as much as our current president promised hope and change and said that, you know, he had the audacity to hope. The reality is that he hasn't really delivered on a lot of those promises. And so anyone that hopes in a political solution to what's going on in the world is likely to be very disappointed. And so that's why uh, I know you all and, and I have looked for hope from beyond the, the temporal realm and we are looking for, uh, as the Bible teaches, like Abraham, we're looking for a, a city whose author and maker and, and founder is God, the city of God, the, the kingdom of God. We're looking for a transformation to occur, that there is hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. We're not really looking for the end of the world. We're looking for a new beginning, a fresh yeah. beginning when things are made new and fresh and beautiful. The world is going to go through, we believe, some horrific cataclysms and changes in the years just ahead. But on the other side is, is great hope and reasons to be very optimistic about the future. But you can only be a part of that if you have taken the, 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 you know, the, the sincere commitment to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, to believe in him and his work on the cross and to accept it as applying to your situation and to accept him as your personal Savior. That sometimes sounds trite, it's made fun of, but the reality is that each one of us has to appropriate that gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ. Each one of us has to come to a uh, commitment to accept that, to ask Christ to come into our life, to transform us, and to show us by the way that he can change what happens in our life, reorder our experiences, give us a new life even now, and can give us hope even in these dark days. And so I would say that it's time to dispense with business as usual. It's time to adopt uh, a new way of life and to accept Christ. And that will make an enormous change in your life and give give you hope where you may have very little hope uh, today. And so that's what I would, would encourage you to do. And I know, Jerry, you and Margie, that you would, you would second that motion. Amen. Yeah, absolutely, totally. Well said. You know, this is the bottom line. The bottom line is you can't afford to not accept Jesus Christ because you will be lost. And that's the only way to have eternal life. I don't care if all these other... Um, shenanigans the devil's putting out there they're all lies but um you know one of the things that keep people from accepting jesus doug is that they don't think they can be good enough and they wow. think that's what it's all about it's not about being good enough it's about you know you don't it's not about being good enough it's about accepting the grace of jesus christ and god says i will perfect that which concerns you so if we could have i, I think 
that we have to understand that we it's a new beginning um and it's a time to let go of all of the hatred you have even towards yourself and and all the stri- striving and struggling and just be born again and of course with born again mm-hmm. there's a death that's a death to all that old junk but um i'm going to ask des to play a quick little commercial about craving which is going to kind of lead us into our our next week's show and then we'll do a, a little wrap up here and and uh doug hold on don't go anywhere i, I want it and i want it now chocolate a juicy burger with everything a turtle brownie latte overload a cold beer that guy over there, that lady at the counter, cravings, intense desires that demand satisfaction often rule our lives. Our cravings have formed habits we can't break, even though they are breaking us. The more we try to take control of our lives, the more out of control our lives become, and we end up doing more and more of what we really don't want to do. In Marjorie Cole's Cravings Manual or CD, you will find rock-solid answers to your dilemma. No more crazy diets, guilt, denial, white-knuckling, or endless frustration. Just a release of truth from the book of Romans that will set you on the path to freedom you never thought you'd have. To receive your copy or CD of Cravings, just go to www.liferecovery.com. That's www.liferecovery.com. Hey, and yeah, it's kind of like people trying to fix their life with zip ties. And paper clips and bubble gum. <laughs> you know, and then we, well, let's say we just add a bubble gum gospel to the mess we're already in and see how that's going to work for you. But next week, join us for um, Why Do I Do What I Do Not Want to Do? And uh, we hope to have people calling in, getting their questions um, set up and answered. Um, and, but again, for tonight, we just want to invite you to do and pray right along with us. Father, we just thank you for Doug. We thank you for this, this evening. Thank you for the precious Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. And, and, and Lord, we make the confession, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, and I believe you are seated at the right hand of the Father. And, Lord God, your word says if we call upon the name of the Lord, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, Romans 10:13. And if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God uh, raised Jesus from the dead, that he died for our sins, if we make that confession, we are saved. And, Lord God, from that point on, your Holy Spirit comes in and he goes to work. So, Lord, I pray that you would encourage every heart tonight and that people would be saved through this program. And we ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, Doug, I just can't tell you how much we're happy that you were on tonight, and I think we're gonna, you're going to be one of our favorites. So, um, oh, thank you. I'd love to come back, and we'll, we'll find some more very unusual things to talk about, as you know. I like having those kinds of conversations. You are an unusual man, yes. I <laughs> and different kind of guy. That's right. That's me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, and one more thing for um, just, I know you won't be able to come, but on May 17th, um, down here in Rogers, we'll check the uh, Life Recovery Schedule calendar on the, on the website. We're going to have a special all-day workshop free, workshop on breaking curses and dealing especially with Freemasonry and um, that sort of thing. So if you're out there in listener land, Rogers, Minnesota, and check the website for the um, location. But the day is May 17th. It's a Saturday from 10 to 4 o'clock. And uh, so thank you, Doug. Thank you for showing up tonight. And, thank and, you. Um, it was great God to, bless to be you invited, and, and I appreciate it so much. And here's Jerry to say good night as well. 
Well, Doug, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. You are a great friend, and we appreciate all the hard work that you put into uh, informing us, informing people in this nation about uh, things that they don't hear about normally. And it's really, uh, for those that take heed, it's a great, great blessing. And so thank you so much for being on tonight, and thank you for your continued great work. And God bless you. Thank you. All right. Good night. I have an emergency. What is your location? Rescue Radio. Because there's a war for your soul.